Hello and welcome to the FTI Cybersecurities podcast series. My name is Kate Brader and I'm a Managing Director and the Chief Operating Officer for the EMEA Cybersecurity business. Throughout this podcast series, FTI experts will discuss the latest issues and trends impacting the world of cybersecurity right now. And today's conversation is centered around securing the remote working world. I'm joined by my colleagues, Ron Yearwood and Paul Riley. Ron and Paul, would you introduce yourselves? Hello, uh, I'm Paul Riley, a Managing Director here at FTI Cybersecurity, focused on Europe, Middle East, India and Africa region. Good morning, everyone. Ron Yearwood, Senior Managing Director in the FTI Cybersecurity Practice. I am the West Coast Lead and my office is in San Francisco. Today, we're going to cover off how organizations can make their remote workforce more resilient at a time when cybersecurity attacks are on the rise. And we're going to discuss what we think the future trends or threats will be around remote working. But to kick all of that off, I'd like to get your view on the biggest cybersecurity threats in the current remote working environment. Ron, over to you. Any thoughts? So the first thing that I would talk about in highlighting the uh, current environment and threats in this current environment is the increased attack surface. There are a, a number of different things that we're adding to our portfolios when it comes to cybersecurity, uh, new devices, uh, new services, new applications. And, and some of the other things that we, we're seeing where we have added uh, uh, potential security risks and vulnerabilities, managed service providers, managed security service providers. These are all things that, these are all new uh, entry points for the attack surface. And so these are now new things that we have to secure. And so as, as we continue to increase with the new work from home, what is the new normal, if we call it so, um, we have a host of new devices that we need to secure. And we need to make sure that we're vigilant and diligent about how we bake security in as we continue to broaden and expand the attack surface that was more controlled prior to our work from home environment. Great. So we've got more sort of points of entry and as you said a greater surface of attack. Paul any other thoughts from you? Yeah absolutely I don't think I've spoke to one person who, who disagrees with this but uh, having back-to-back meetings seems to be again uh, normalized in today's remote working environment and as a result of that the sheer volume of data being transferred um, from uh, from devices is, is exponentially larger than it ever has been. Um, the sheer volume of meetings, online, uh, you know, Zoom calls, uh, emails, inboxes out of control, all create a level of pressure as well. And there's a fatigue of the pace of work in terms of back-to-back working, in terms of no escape essentially from the office environment. And people will naturally take the shortcuts, uh, which is only you know, human in, in, in that respect. So it's just interesting to, to see the sheer volume of data and how people manage that uh, more effectively going forwards. I think, Paul, when we've talked about this before as well, you've you, you flagged here, you know, the fatigue in the workers taking the shortcuts, you know, uh, that are using the kind of the remote operating environment. But you've talked about the impact of the fatigue on, on the ITS teams that are meant to be setting this up and keeping it secure and, and the increased threat that that presents as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, from my time as, as a CISO, it, it was really insightful post uh, large breaches to see the, the sheer level of activity that's needed to, to keep businesses running as usual 
um, and people swapping from a office, a predominantly an office environment, a state to then a, a complete remote working, needing to you know, onboard VPNs at large scale, having to build capacity in the infrastructure teams and such like. And, the, and the, like Ron said, the, the, the increase in the attack surfaces as well means that the, the security teams in, in all industries and in all sectors are feeding the heat and there are more nefarious actors out there because it's moved online as, as, as working practices across the globe have. Ron, are you feeling that on the West Coast as well? I sense a sort of a false sense of security as things are working well and, and we're adding to, we're, we're building a bigger more robust uh, remote uh, distributed network, things are working well and we've increased and enhanced and everything is, it, things are going well. Outside of what you hear on a daily basis, if it hasn't impacted on you, we have a, an unfortunate tendency to uh, perceive, to, to accept the perception that things are going well, we must be secure and that gives a false sense of security. Uh, that's a challenge in the future because as we have really enhanced this work from home uh, environment in our, our distributed environment. We need to now be challenging ourselves to step our security so that we don't build vulnerability into uh, that new work from home environment. Yeah, that's a really interesting uh, point, I think, because we are kind of coming out the other side of a curve. As you said, we're in now a normalized state and, and we're probably accepting that things are yeah, like you said, comfortable and secure, and that's not the reality of it. I think probably one of the bigger threats we saw earlier on was due to the amount of sort of uh, tension and uh, and sort of, um, you know, increased vulnerability that everybody felt around their own personal circumstances as well as their working circumstances. People just became much more vulnerable to attacks. Those are exactly the kind of situations that malicious actors are looking to exploit. Uh, and again, that for me was, it's absolutely another one of those sort of threat vectors that we need to be aware of. So we've talked a, a little bit about the threats that we've seen as a result of this shift to the remote working environment. If you are a CISO or if you're advising a CISO, what are the pragmatic next steps or considerations that you're going you're gonna to think about as a result of this? And uh, Ron, I'm, I'm going to come over to you because I think you've got kind of like the 50,000 foot view on this that's helpful. Thank you, Kate. Uh, the thing that I would highlight at this moment is hygiene. So it's, it's not backing off of what we have as our, our basic practices. We want to empower the workforce. We want to ensure that they have the tools necessary to work in this remote environment, this, this distributed environment. But we have security practices built in, we have protocols built in, we have uh, established processes and procedures that we're following. What we, what we shouldn't be doing right now is making changes for the sake of expediency. Uh, we want to be fast, we want to be quick to solutions, we want to make sure that we have the right things in place for the workforce, but we need to ensure that we do that in a secure way. And most importantly, we want to make sure that we do not allow ourselves to fall victim to uh, uh, sacrificing our secure process for expediency. So during this window of distributed work, we're seeing a continued increase in uh, uh, different types of attacks. We see an increase in phishing and uh, double digit percentages, uh, ransomware attacks continue to increase. So the, the first bit of advice that I would give to any CISO or any uh, senior executive who is leading an organization in the cybersecurity process of that organization is to maintain your hygiene. We're building this extraordinarily powerful 
uh, remote workforce. We want them to be faster. We want them to have more tools, more capabilities. We want to increase their speed and efficiency in delivering uh, in, in our work environment. What we can't do is back off of the basic hygiene processes that we have. We have if we have a strong security posture and we have training that's included in that posture and we have good processes and good security monitoring, we need to enhance those, um, ensuring that for the sake of expediency, for the sake of speed to uh, deliver our, our product, our, our, our work, we can't back off of the basic things that we're doing. We need to ensure that we're vigilant about maintaining our existing process, if not enhancing those security measures, as we have new potential threats and, ex and an expanding potential threat vector and threat status. So it's a case of new paradigm, but, but same principles from your perspective, Ron. Exactly. We need, we need to inspire additional strength and robust security as we continue to expand our workforce, uh, both in size uh, and in distribution. Paul, you've spent time as a CISO. You know what it, it feels like to be the person in this role at this particular time. You know, if you were looking at those pragmatic next steps to take, what would they be? Yeah, in this current time, being a CISO is a, is a lonely place to be. And I think uh, Ron's point about empowering the workforce is maybe the, the key thing to really harness. Um, cybersecurity across all industries and all sectors should be everyone's responsibility and it should be you know hard you know hardwired into everyone's thinking about how best to be secure and part of that alludes back to Ron's point about um, about awareness and vigilance um, with with the sheer volume of you know phishing attempts and you know the sheer volume of emails that people are seeing if it feels and looks wrong it may well be so people have got to be inquisitive and inquire and you know raise their hand and alert the security function if they've got an issue or if they think something may be wrong because with the sophistication of attacks that we're seeing at the moment it looks almost real so if there's one percent of doubt people should raise their hand and that empowers the security team to be front-footed and better protect that organization so that's our advice to clients you know uh, what we'd be be going out and and telling people to consider as their initial steps or or the top things for them to consider at this remote in time but i'm interested to hear as well what are the clients coming to us and asking about at the moment in time what what is dominating their thought process so from my perspective, when I'm talking to clients, I, I routinely hear uh, questions and I, I'm fielding questions that involve uh, how do I do this better? How, how can I secure things better? In that context, when I, when I speak to someone about that, I, I work to identify the basics. What is your current foundation? And then are you enforcing that foundation? Uh, just again, because we, we have strong current practices and we don't all need to be secured to uh, a government level, but if we don't enforce our current practices, we're leaving potentially open vulnerabilities. And so some things that I suggest would be utilization of your VPN. If you have an established VPN connection capability in your distributed network, but you don't use it on a daily basis, you're exposing yourself unnecessarily. Uh, Multi-factor authentication, it's an uh, exceedingly strong tool for email. Um, not everyone has implemented multi-factor authentication. Um, that's another suggestion that I would make. And then finally, one of the a, a consistent theme, or at least the theme that I've seen in a number of instances that I think is really important to highlight, uh, cloud environment. It's so, so prevalent in our world today. 
utilize the tools that you have at your disposal. Know what they are, but utilize those security tools. We've seen a number of clients who've come uh, in having this conversation are utilizing different cloud environment capabilities. Um, email, as an example, um, uh, remote sharing, video conferencing, and things like that but they don't implement the security features. They don't know what the security features are and they may not implement those security features. So again, using the foundation that you have, but reinforcing that and not backing off of those foundational principles. And I think that point about um, wishing to continuously improve and looking to the future, that really resonates with the conversations that I know we're having at the moment. You know, we do incident response here. We, we've been involved in discussions and, and incidents that have happened over the last few months. But I would still say that perhaps some of the balance of the discussions that we're having at the moment is in favor of that. How can I continue to improve and how can I continue to do better? And, and Paul, that's a particular area that you focus on and, and concentrate on. Um, you know, anything from the discussions that you've been having that resonate with that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think this whole pandemic and the shift to this remote working environment has highlighted the fragility and the reliance on IT. Um, so, and part of that, therefore, means that there's a, an additional reliance on security. And a lot of CISOs and CIOs and CTOs have been coming and asking about efficiencies and finding those economies of effort and finding best ways of working because the focus is now on switching over from a, you know, the crown jewels of an organization is X. Actually, the crown jewels of an organization is, is working practices and how it goes to market and how it, how it harnesses its, its workforce best. So that's the areas of, of focus. Another area that I think people are, it, it's, it's heartening to see that people are focusing on this as well is, as, as Ron said, people are shifting to the more cloud environment and moving away from legacy traditional um, estates but the legacy tale is often the vulnerability that people are just ignoring as they go to look at that more future-proof next-generation technology and ignoring the, the, to, the close down and decommission that more legacy estate. So it is interesting to see, and that's where people aren't really investing the money. They're investing in the future and not the past. So how do you yeah, inform a, a chief finance officer of, of a tangible investment of X amount to close something that might not be an issue? But if it is an issue, it sure will be a big one. That's a, a, an exceptional point and something I've seen historically uh, that has been a problem for cybersecurity professionals. Um, so focused on, on future and development, uh, the new and the now, that we forget about some of the foundational uh, existing pieces. In old hacker terms and old hacker language, you would see that development of new code and new process um, because that's, that shiny object is really important to us uh, as a culture and in it should be, uh, that's where we wanna be, that uh, you know, develop and, and progress, uh, looking towards the future. But we would see uh, threat actors, hackers, who would find very small, minor exploits, vulnerabilities in uh, uh, existing foundational pieces of code and software that they could exploit, that they could gain uh, different access points to, and then the entirety of all of the new, uh, flashy, extraordinary development that we have is now exposed based on a very old coding or a very old system that we just didn't maintain and we didn't patch and we didn't uh, look have a continued process for uh, improving the old legacy systems. It's a very, very good point. So with that point in mind about 
balancing our energy to develop and create better security as we enhance and develop new systems, but also maintaining those legacy systems and ensuring that they're secure. How else do you see um, you know, the change in working habits affecting what we'll need to think about in the future? What, what else is going to emerge as, as the big challenge for some of our clients? The thing that I see right now developing is an evolution of the way threat actors use their skills. Uh, an example of that, uh, ransomware, because it's, it's very uh, frequently heard about, we see it on a regular basis. Ransomware evolved from um, I, I, the threat actor puts code on, uh, malicious code on your, on your network uh, or your, your system. Um, it locks the system down. There's an extortion. You pay, pay the extortion or you don't. Um, we, uh, cybersecurity professionals grew in that context and we started using backups better. They evolved to, we're not just going to put malware, we're going to take some information. And then the next big evolution there was, we will post your information if you don't, uh, pay the ransom. Uh, now this next evolution that we see with some of the, the malware groups and the hacking groups is they're working together against their targets sharing information. And so now you have ransomware gangs that are developing to work and be more effective. Um, you also see the ransomware purveyors who are deleting backups. And that's, the, that's one of the places where I see, and I would propose that there are future serious challenges with resiliency. Um, it, so it's not just ransomware now and you have the one instance, and if you have a solid backup system, you can rebuild your network, you can rebuild your system, but they're attacking those. They're attacking what are foundational principles in cybersecurity practice, those, those building blocks of what good cybersecurity is. They'll either delete or they'll uh, encrypt those backups. So you have no choice but to rebuild from the ground up with no additional information or pay that ransom. And so I see an increase in threat and risk and vulnerability against resiliency. The foundational practices that we have include incident response planning, um, critical response planning, uh, disaster recovery, and I see those practices potentially being uh, uh, exposed to additional vulnerabilities. I see the threat actors now taking that next step and evolving to attack the capabilities that we build to respond to cyber threats. They're going to attack to defeat those capabilities so that when it comes to our ability to respond, um, maintaining that capability to get back up and get back into the game, they will diminish those. So they're, they're in an effort to force us back into the position of dealing with uh, the threat actors and or complying with threat actor demands. And of course, we've got external threat actors, but we've also, in terms of one vulnerability, but we've also got, you know, the danger that we present to ourselves. You know, Paul, any views on that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this, this goes back to my earlier point about uh, fatigue and working environment and such like, you know, the natural human uh, behavior will be to find that path of least resistance and to work more efficiently as best we can in this, in this environment. So I think it's just, again, going back to my earlier point as well about, you know, making sure that cybersecurity is everybody's responsibility in an organization and we're in it together. And the best way to protect is in numbers, um, which I think uh, Ron alludes to as well. Um, my other point would be that also you don't have to be the target to be affected by you know, a large scale breach or ransomware attack. You know, cyber drive-bys have affected large multinational organizations you know, uh, in open media sources only a few years ago and had massive effects on, on large scale organizations when they weren't a the target. So everyone has to be aware 
and you know ready to respond and best protect that organization uh, and it is an issue that we we raise with clients on a regular basis not just the existence of uh, those foundational security practices but are you actually put employing them testing them in a, a real world environment you know we talk about cloud as a backup to our network and i had mentioned um, backups and the potential compromise of backups that's just you know that's just what the threat actors do looking internally if we haven't practiced uh, restoring a backup um, at time and i've seen we've seen this with uh, with client engagements when it comes time to actually restore a backup if you haven't practiced that and you're not certain of the capability is it, it makes a very bad day even worse if you can't restore, if you can't implement your resiliency planning in the way that it's supposed to, it makes it even that much more challenging if you can't restore a backup uh, because you haven't practiced it. So practicing those and testing that pro the, the, uh, the systems that you have, very critical in, uh, in cybersecurity. What I've heard from you, it paints a really nice picture of you know, uh, areas of the external threat sort of and how that's evolving how the vulnerabilities of our own people are increasing and, and really our supply chain and what we need to look at around that. And I wish I had a whiteboard in front of me that I could, I could draw that picture together for us all. Finally, I just wanted to thank you and my colleagues for joining us today. Remember to subscribe to our podcast so that you don't miss out on future episodes. And if you'd like to find out more about what we do here at FTI Cybersecurity and how we help build a resilient future for clients, please reach out to myself or any of today's guests via the FTI website.